Hello. Hi. Welcome to release. What kind of wave is it? It's a new wave. It's a new wave, baby. N-U wave. New. What did you watch? Uh, I watched Jubilee. And I watched Liquid Sky. And then I, like, did a little perusal back through, um, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. Yeah. And Smithereens. But I, like, really got into this rabbit hole of like jubilee and liquid sky and kind of how like they feel like companion films in a way Uh uh-huh and i think it's cool you also watched jubilee right i watched jubilee and i watched true stories and i meant to watch more but i didn't i mean i think it's cool that like we don't have overlap and we can kind of just talk about this moment because i have thoughts yeah yeah, it, like, it's interesting, I think, in this moment in time. Look at all our female protagonists. It's like, we oh, have yeah, David Byrne sure. over here, uh-huh. who's, like, doing his thing. And actually, like, one of my favorite um, movies is Stop Making Sense, uh-huh. which is, like, called a documentary, but maybe it's, like, more like a concert film. Uh-huh. And so I got, like, a bit obsessed with David Byrne and like I've watched that a bunch of times and I feel like we could throw that in this oh yeah thing. Sure. so I have like context and I know what true stories is about and I kind of like yeah skimmed it a little bit uh-huh. and like saw your amazing uh screen not screenshots but photos yeah. of the yeah movie and I was like damn this looks cool as shit and it does feel different so I'm glad you're gonna it really tell does me all about it yeah yeah, I've, I sort of, yeah, now that you're putting it into perspective, I, a very sort of male-centered piece mm-hmm. and then a very female-centered piece directed by a gay man. Yeah, and it's like, and then you think about Jubilee, which was directed by a gay man. Right, that's what like, I'm talking about. In a very... Um, you know, not hetero male zone, but a lot of these women, if not victims, are in peril that is sort of um, instigated by, you know, drugs and sex and like very like... um, Violence. Violence, like very masculine. Yeah. Misogyny. Yeah. And it's like... level of misogyny and jubilee instigated by women right and it's such a it's like a cool moment to that could be like endlessly dissected dissected it feels like yeah a very hated film especially by the punk rock community and a lot of the people who are in it yeah i watched they called uh, it hippie trash yeah, and Vivian Westwood famously made a t-shirt that was like a manifesto against the film. Yeah. Which is weird because he set out to make a film that was of the punk scene. Like the so like the production designer that was hired 
I don't know how punk he was. It's like yeah. all the credentials are so funny, like the bona fides. Yeah. But he specifically uh, approached to production assistants, like essentially set decorators, who had never really worked in film, but uh-huh. were of the punk movement. And he was like, I need punks. In yeah. the, I need like real punks. Yeah. But then. Because he was not a punk. Right. But he's punk. But he's punk, yes, totally. Like, at that, at the time, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm not even going to go yeah. into why he's not punk. The movie is punk. The movie is punk. He's punk. It's just, like, to be punk at the time. In the documentary I watched, I'm going to find the name of it. Uh, in the documentary I watched, they kind of, like, parsed the punkness, but they were even like taking shots at fellow punks. Like one of these production assistants was like, yo, like I'm actually working class. Like my dad like owned a pub and these other punks were like very, or that's a different guy. Okay. One of the production assistants, his dad owned a pub and he was like taking shots at like how the other punks were not, you know, working class. And then there was like another, the other production assistant like made, also made the designation of like, I was like a working class, from a working class family, and I was like sent to school to become like posh, like pseudo posh. Uh-huh. And then I encountered all these punks that were like rich, like upper class, pretending to be like what I came from, and like the weird dynamics that that created for him. Like, yeah. there's a lot of like proving that you're like a punk. That is, like, in... And this documentary even was not made recently. It was, like, it's so silly, right? Like, you either have a punk ethos or you don't. It's not really about whether you have, like, crazy hair or whatever. Yeah, punk punk is not about looking a specific way. It's about presenting something in a specific way. And I don't think in 1978 that was the idea. You know, punk took on a new, a life of its own, the further it was, the the distance between punk now and punk then, punk has become something else. Yeah, and I do think it's like, culture was so stiff and regimented in a way that we can obviously not relate to now that like in the documentary, one of these production dudes was talking about how like Jordan was so certified because she would, you know, dress in her latex and her crazy platforms and with her like bouffant, essentially a modified bouffant. And she would like take the bus to go work at, um, what was Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren's shop called at this time? It wasn't sex. I think it was called something else but to like go work and he's like that's like those are credentials because you're like you're putting yourself out into the street looking a way that is only going to grab attention and most of it negative so that's like now we can't really relate to that because you can kind of do what you want and it doesn't necessarily reflect your actual like the spirit of how you live but at this point I think it did because it was so a sort of brave to step yeah. outside the norm in that way. Um, R.I.P. Jordan. She passed yeah. away last week. Yeah. 
shout out. And it uh, seems like he did hang this film on getting Jordan because it's like that's yeah. your. And I know that at some point, um, what bands? There was uh, the Cramps. I know pulled out. And maybe uh-huh. Susie and the Banshees pulled out. Like they had been involved. Oh, the Clash. Sorry. What did I well, say? Susie, Susie and the Banshees. You said the Cramps. Oh, whoops. The Cramps are American, yeah. although we're in jolly so is, old England. So is so is um, Jane County. Yeah. Who was Wayne County at the time? But um, so there is one American punk rocker in it. Yeah. But um. Uh, yeah, Susie and the Banshees were in it, and they were just, just a small, they were just a performance moment of them on television. Yeah, but then they were like, nah, we want nothing to do with this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's they, not they didn't punk. like it. It was saying too much. The movie was saying too much in accordance to what punk rock was in 1978. Well, I got the impression that they just thought they were posers. But then they point out in the documentary that maybe Vivian Westwood, who I adore, but maybe she was a little bit um, bummed to not have like a piece of the pie in a more significant way. Uh-huh. And that's like her disdain for it. But like, who could possibly know what was, you know, the inner workings? But to me, it's like, Derek Jarman, the rest of his career kind of proves the point that he was totally the guy to make a movie like this, whether he was a punk or not, he understood Mm -hmm. how to tell a story like this. Um, And what I didn't realize is that his big break, he was a production designer for Ken Russell's The Devils, which is one of my favorite movies. And like, when I saw it in college, I saw it in a anthropology class about witchcraft. Because it's about the witch trials in Ludon. Uh And it's Vanessa Redgrave with, like, you know, ankle-length red hair and Ken Russell. And it is, like, fucking crazy. So good. Like, the production design of it is incredible. And it opens with a scene that, like, you just have to see. But it's, like, the king emerging from, like, a clamshell. Uh-huh. Like wearing like an amazing costume and so it's another big costume piece. Totally, and it's like because I do feel like uh, Jubilee is a big old costume piece too. Totally, the costume. It's like there's so many details. Like I'm thinking of when, uh, who, a uh, Mad and Emil played by Jordan and Mad played by Toya Wilcox, who was not a punk uh-huh. at the time, but became kind of a punk, but didn't know anything about this scene. I think she said she knew like a little about what was like happening on King's Road, but like besides that, like totally not yeah. tuned but in. But she's amazing. Amazing. Her perform her performance is amazing. But she and was maybe, read as like a po- like they were like she's a poser because she just went in there and they cut her hair off and dyed it orange and then had her play like this like super amplified punk. Yeah, it's called acting. Yeah. No, they Jesus were not Christ. down. Oh, I know. It's yeah. it's just annoying. It's like it's a movie. It is. Yeah. You know, and like 
she she was the one with the chops for sure yeah and she hadn't had she had a little bit of stage experience she like went to college for um acting i believe and then had like a little bit of stage time but like was pretty like cold um new talent and she did say jarek jarman just like let her go and she like was totally in that but like there's a scene where they like beat the shit out of somebody who do they beat the shit out of it's a cop oh yeah it's a cop yeah i couldn't remember it's right before they uh throw that um bottle flaming bottle at the cop Mm -hmm. the maltov cocktail yeah uh they're wearing these cool jumpsuits and then they have pink um rubber gloves yeah kitchen gloves kitchen gloves like tucked into the like their shoulder like a little strap on their shoulder and i'm just like these details are like to die for yeah like what an eye it's great and also uh seems to be prevalent i don't know in my two movie viewing experience that uh a couple of very specific vernaculars, very specific language. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, it's it opens with Queen Elizabeth I asking about the world, asking about the future, and, you know, it's all very Shakespearean. You know, it's all spoken very poetically. And then we get into the present day, which would be the present day at the time, with um london in ruins still using like um uh locations that had been bombed out by the blitz from world war from world war ii like from the 19 like from 1941 like in 1978 still areas of london that are like reflecting like the germans trying to wipe them out in a totally. campaign of like World bombing foundation. for like eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no permits, no permits. And when we're in that world, when we're in 1978, that's a whole other language as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this, uh, it's almost like, uh, how, Clueless has its own language. Yeah. Uh, the punk, the, the, the punk scene had specific terminology. Yeah, and I think that it does help to, like, whatever the punks thought at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, why not an outsider to tell? It's not like he's super exactly. mainstream and disdainful of the punk right. movement. It's right. like to have someone that's sort of like, slightly outside yeah that can be you know a really helpful point of view and also his opinion of it was that like he didn't give a shit well he didn't you know i'm i'm paraphrasing he didn't care if people liked the movie he he just cared that they knew that something was happening at the time and there very much was you know as there always is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. he's just uh, 
sort of spotlighting a subculture, but it could be anything. And I do think it's like in the juxtaposition, like he could have invented a, a subculture that does not exist and sort right. of told a similar story without like these cultural touchstones. And it could, that could have been great too, but it's like, who doesn't want to see this moment in time sort of play out? And I think like the addition right. of the Queen Elizabeth stuff, which doesn't really weave that much into like the goings on of our group of punks. Well, they do kill Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. And the name does refer, does make reference to the, the I think it was the 25th year, the 20, the 25 oh, yeah. year yeah, jubilee. Yeah, the jubilee, yeah. Yeah, which happened. So a lot of shit going on surrounding the politics of monarchy. Oh, for sure. I think they're showing something about the culture that they were living in as far as like them being in the UK. Right. But the literal plot lines don't cross, but it's just like in the no juxtaposition is like where you get a lot of this information. Yeah. And it's just like cool looking (laughs) too. Yeah. It looks really amazing. It is, it is kind of dark and it is a little heavy. Um, But as far as like, a narrative we're not really following the trajectory of one character it's very much like uh just a bunch of sort of woven stories which is exactly what true stories is as well Mm. which also has a very specific language uh, and very specific delivery um and performance in it you know it's it's got um, it's not quite a musical, and I mean neither is Jubilee, but there are live performances from new wave slash punk bands of the moment. Yeah, yeah, which is true. Like, there's music intertwined in all the movies that we talked about um, discussing for this. Which yeah. we should note: Jubilee is 1978, but it's totally like setting the scene and we're moving into sort of like where punk rock becomes not just one thing which is kind of like the term new wave kind of comes from that like new wave encompasses punk but it's like all the things that punk birthed right like yeah probably a lot of like the aesthetic you know it's like people do lump like Susie and the Banshees in with uh, punk rock but also with new wave well, I think no new wave is arguably the umbrella term. It's like punk yeah. first, everything right. that comes after that's like splinters of that right. is new wave as is punk, you know? Sure. Because it just becomes so like, what does that term mean? It's more of like a, this sort of outsider art, for lack of a better term. It's like something else so like new wave becomes like the umbrella but i think jubilee is like because i watched liquid sky and it's you can tell like they were taking notes off of jubilee yeah i i have seen some of liquid sky a long time ago and Mm -hmm. yeah just like as far as the makeup goes oh yeah the styling seems very similar to jubilee 
Um, although it's kind of got like some space thrown into it. Oh yeah, there's aliens that you don't see in like figure form, but you feel, and there's a bit of animation that I was like, uh, oh. very ref. Well, like whenever the aliens strike, in which always happens when our main character is having sex, when someone's nearing and then has an orgasm, uh, oh. and then dies because the alien. <laughs> it's a oh. very interesting plot, uh-huh. but. I felt the bit of uh, Hungarian animation, specifically the movie Panic that we watched, which is from 1978. So it kind of felt like, you know, the director is Slava Tuskerman, and he like worked on it with his wife, but because of the, they had like a bit of a language barrier, so they pulled in their friend Anne Carlisle, who Uh um, helped them to write it. They basically wrote it like over dinner and Anne plays two characters, uh, one male, one female. And it's so cool. And like, they do have like a bit of interaction. She ends up killing him by giving him a blowjob until he comes and then the aliens get him. <laughs> oh my God. It's a wild movie, but like there are aesthetics that feel similar. It also just feels like of an attitude. It's more, um, Electro Clash is like its specific yeah. sort of bend. Is and it, it's a, is it, it seems lighter? Is mm-hmm. it a lighter movie or is it still pretty heavy? It is not light at all. I mean, I could okay. see how you could see that in the yeah. screenshots, but it's very dark because it's this other thing of like the way she's sort of, um, the danger she's put into within the scene because of, you know, some of the drug abuse, some of the attitudes towards women, specifically towards women that um, want to have sex, maybe not yeah. just with their husbands or, you know, longer term boyfriends. And she's sort right. of um, it's interesting because it's like you think of punks as being free, as being like the, you know, the natural evolution of hippies and free love and like this but there's all this other, and it is a, you know, it's a movie that takes place in New York City. So we're across the pond from Jubilee's setting, but it's like the same old right. shit. Like, yes, you can like be a woman in this scene and have some sort of um, maybe even status, but you're still going to, you're still under patriarchy. You're still surrounded by misogynists. You're still, um, a commodity as far as like sex and you know yeah. beauty and all of these old ways of being so like even if like in theory attitudes have shifted this movie kind of feels like it's about that they haven't really you know yeah and then there's aliens that are um after this plot is crazy uh they're after so like the premise of the film is that when you orgasm, that is like close to like an opiate, the chemical, and these aliens are after that chemical. Oh, so that's okay. why they're like killing. I think this is what the idea is. Um, and so like, there's a lot of 
heroine in the movie that is uh-huh. like her our main character her roommate is like a a heroin dealer and also uh-huh. performs in the beginning of the movie and it's like pretty great uh and then there's this like when she starts at some point when the aliens are present whoever she has sex with if they come then it's over they die that's it but i mean like it's not light like there's a lot of sexual assault in this movie oh no okay a ton interesting yeah um did you like it i do not the sexual it made assault, me feel very movie. uncomfortable uh-huh. um at a lot of moments which i mean obviously that doesn't make for like a good or bad movie um right. I think the visuals are really interesting. The way they did the music is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, I love this idea. They manipulated real-world sounds, and then they also programmed classical music into a synthesizer. Ooh, nice. Yeah, and so it's, like, it's really trippy. And, like, their director worked with um, the sound designer, but, like, the sound designer didn't see the music paired with the film until like everybody did. You know what I mean? Like Uh they worked together in this like weird space of like the director being like, I need something like this. Like it should go to from this to this, but not like actually like seeing the film. But when you watch it, it's just like, that's such an interesting way to make a soundtrack. Okay. And you can feel it, especially towards the end, what is like real world sound yeah, and how it's sort of manipulated. And it does echo like this animation that's hard to describe, except for it does remind me of Panic and mm-hmm. that Hungarian short. Right. And it's like um, pretty abstract. It's like almost like heat waves of the, it's like through the alien's eyes. And it's like the heat waves that, we don't really know that until the end, but it's clear that it's like how the alien sees the world when you yeah. get to the end of the film. And it's like almost like a target on the person and they look like, you know, sort of like a heat wave. And then it gets like, um, they sort of get exploded and there's like a red dot that expands out. And then like this orb that like sort of shape shifts and then like gets further and further from the screen. If that makes sense. It's just like, it's yeah. a cool ass effect. Like this movie is doing a lot of shit. And like Jubilee, it's like no money, no permits. Right. Like written in one evening. Like right. just an idea, you know? Yeah. It That is interesting because mm-hmm. it, it, it just, it, it all ties together, you know? Like, you know, so we were London with Jubilee where... New York with Liquid Sky, and then we're in Texas in True Stories, mm-hmm. which also employs like moving west. Yeah, it, and it employs the use of like both of these movies, like people who just are there. You know, mm-hmm. like David Byrne had permits. David Byrne had permission, but he's also using local town townsfolk. You know, oh, and it's a cool. different kind of movie um that is 
kind of just telling a bunch of different stories. Um, and he was inspired specifically by tabloid headlines. Hell yeah. Um, but there is a ton of commentary on consumerism uh, mm. and what small town life is like now. Um, you know, there's a scene in the mall and he, you know, David Byrne as the narrator is talking about how, you know, shopping malls have become the new town square. And he's not talking about it necessarily with, you know, in a, with disdain. He's not really lamenting the new position of the town square. Um, but I was thinking about that today and thinking about how the town square doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, you know, yeah, there's this the moment in time, this moment in time when people are talking about mall culture and how it's, you know, tacky and we're all consumers. But at least we were fucking seeing each other. You right, know, at least we had one. And I don't know your experience with the mall, but it's like I hung out at the mall every weekend and like I didn't buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> I hung out I hung out at the mall frequently. It wasn't yeah. like a regularly set thing, but I like I would ask my mom to drop me off at the mall. Yeah. You know, and it was just a lot of wandering around with like a wandering little bit around. of allowance, maybe. Maybe an orange Julius. Yeah, bad kids smoking at the fountain. Sneaking into the movies. Yeah. Can't sneak into the movies on the internet with your friends. I mean, you can do some <laughs> pirate shit, but like, that's not yeah. fun. You know? Yeah, you it's like caught. how you knew what was going on with everybody. Like, who was dating who? Like, who yeah. picked two up like at yeah. the park like who's doing this and that like right how you knew what parties to go to because like maybe at a friday night someone would be like oh we're doing this yeah yeah i mean yeah I don't you'd know. be like yeah i, I saw jimmy nostalgia. at the mall and he said that yeah exactly yeah. but i have seen uh True stories many times. Uh, I had not seen it in a very long time. And this really was the moment for me in which I was so in love with it. Mm. I loved it so much. Cool. Like, it's on my list. Oh, like of, a top 10? Of, of like favorite movies. Ugh, okay, for I'm sure. Watch it. Yeah, like never have I ever had a bigger crush on John Goodman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's got like he's got probably the most solid through line as far as a narrative structure goes, in which he's a bachelor who is trying to find a partner, a wife. Mm. So we follow him, and there's just all these crazy char- characters. You know, my favorite is. Um, the lying woman. She's like telling all these stories, all these like salacious stories about like JFK and um, 
I don't know what else, but like very topical for 1986. Um, and she knows all of these stories because she was there. Oh. Hmm. But she's, you know, she's her, her name in the credits is The Lion Woman. I would love a movie about just The Lion Woman. Ooh. Well, also, it's still working, so maybe. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make a movie about her. What? Write him a letter. Dear David Byrne. No, I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically about her, but it could be. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, like I, I would, I would like to see somebody write something inspired by her. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And then what's the deal with, I know I like, I had true stories that was like in my queue, like ready to be played and then I couldn't Uh find the time. Yeah. We did just speak to a college class today about the pod and I got way sidetracked into Siskel and Ebert reviews and watching their Uh show and all of this. Yeah. Uh, So that sidetracked me. But... This urban camouflage. This is where I found an intersection point. Because true story, uh-huh. David Byrne worked on the costumes with his partner, wife. Uh, and the urban camouflage costumes. And then she went on to work with Susan Seidelman, who, uh-huh. of course, has directed our girl Madonna, but also directed Smithereens. Yeah, I love Smithereens. Me too. Um I just have to really quick just say Ed Lackman oh, yeah. is the cinematographer on True Stories and that movie is really beautifully photographed. That's just I mean, another reason to want to watch it. It's 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 a movie that is capitalizing as much as it can on like the beauty of the mundane. Oh yeah. I can but, see that just from your like little bits I've seen and your yeah yeah captures. Um, but Susan Seidelman, Smithereens, mm-hmm. another movie that uh, utilizes a bombed out city as a yeah. setting. Yeah. Like early '80s New York. Love. Uh, which was not bombed by another country, but was literally torn apart by its inhabitants. Uh, in the late 70s and bad politics and the city went bankrupt and uh yeah yeah starring yeah focusing on that brat yeah who's also like you know being preyed upon in various (laughs) yeah by by music scene stirs yeah yeah. Yeah, opportunist fucks. Broke, yeah. Opportunistic, drugged uh-huh. out punk asses. Uh, yeah. It's a thing. I love, I love, I love 19, late 70s through like mid 80s, actually even through like early 90s New York subway. Oh, yeah. Like the Just absolutely like, covered in graffiti vibes covered in graffiti yeah now they clean them up it's like who cares i'd rather like you don't need to clean up the graffiti feel free to clean up the puke thank you i'm down but it's like i don't need it to be it's almost sadder without it yeah decorate that shit yeah i think that the reason that 
where that everybody is so against graffiti is because they don't want people talking. Because oh, graffiti, sure. yeah. graffiti, you know, graffiti talks. Graffiti yep. says things, and they don't want other people's propaganda. They want, you know. Yeah, don't think, guys. Nuva Ring, or whatever, you know, ads. Yeah. I don't know why Nuva Ring. That's just you know the first one that <laughs> came to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> what do I know about a Nuva Ring? <laughs> silly ads. Right now, all over the subways are like something that's like it's obviously like a finance bro app or something but it's saying Ew. like you know stop like crypto splaining to me or something it's like playing off like Shut mansplaining yeah. and i'm like you're the finance bros too dog like what are we talking about yeah all those subway apps and I'm stop like, trying to reappropriate work? stop trying to reappropriate mansplaining it's something like that. I might have it off, but that's the vibe. And it's yeah. like the same people that made this ad are totally crypto explaining to everybody. Yeah. Whatever. Put Whatever. it in your crypto diaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Susan Seidelman loves New York. I love her New York. Like I love her cool. New York, too. And I love her. I love I love her smithereens to desperately seeking susan jump because it's like it it really is just the difference between the budget you know sure yeah um it's a different story too but um i love what she gets to photograph in desperately seeking susan that movie i mean i've talked about it before it just was a huge influence for me you know it really modeled it really modeled for me what the idea of New York City was, yeah. you know, um, which is much different now. Oh, absolutely. There's like, I feel like the the other version of New York that I have, the present day version that I've been given is like Broad City and Girls. Yeah. Yeah. With Sex and the City between Simon yeah. and... Uh, yeah, but girls. Yeah, but like Sex and the City was definitely highlight reel New York. Yeah. There was like no grit. Well, they were they not li- gonna I t- mean, they were not going to engage with the grit besides maybe going to hit some hip downtown bar and even then they were going to be like, "Oh god." Right. Or like one of a number of them gentrifying a neighborhood. <laughs> sure. Well, we bought this house and now it's in this bad neighborhood. In Brooklyn? Ah. Oh, my God. Hurry but up. that attitude persisted because once I was in New York, I moved here in 2006. 2006. Uh, uh, yeah. I, the people I went to school with at NYU, they were like, they had never been to Brooklyn and were like aghast at the idea that not only did I live in Brooklyn, but like where I lived in Brooklyn, like they wouldn't even come. What the fuck? Literally. That's and this crazy. Is it's like not. I mean, I lived there in like, two. I lived there 2004, 2005 and I lived in Brooklyn and it was like. It's just a certain Did way they think it was seen. dangerous or were they, they like. They thought it was dangerous. They also just kind of seemed to think it was like, ooh, like not cool it was like How williamsburg you, yeah. was just beginning to be like what 
Williamsburg became. It was well right. on its way, but I didn't live sure. in Williamsburg, you know? Yeah. Um, I lived Where did like you super live? Super south. I lived at like the edge of like South Williamsburg, which was all just, um, I oh, lived okay. in an old factory building. There was not anything yeah. around at all. Like it's not lived... even South Williamsburg is now. Right at the edge of like what the Park Slope neighborhood mm. was, but like not near the park. Okay. Just like what the the boundary of the neighborhood was. I could walk to BAM, okay. Brooklyn Academy of Music, and um, when I lived there, they built the Target. Oh, I know that Target well. Yeah, that Target like that went up, and I just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the beautiful Atlantic Center, and I remember, um, you know, like escalators that take your shopping cart up to the second floor. Hell yeah! Ah, true glamour. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like to get back to Seidelman's. New That's York. the new new wave right there. Yeah. Escalators that new, take new. your grocery cart up to the second floor of a department like a store. Wave. That's the new new wave. I I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I did think... you rewatch Smithereens or I haven't I seen it in a while. Put it on, and yeah, of, you know, was in and out yeah. of it. Yeah. I saw it in the theater since i've been back in new york so like probably before the pandemic so not too too long ago Uh uh-huh um i saw it she directed susan seidelman directed the the pilot episode of sex in the city yeah i knew she fyi connection yep yeah um she's great I can't help, and I don't know if I saw them around. I did see them around the same time. I went and saw, so I watched Smithereens for a Monday night movie, but I uh-huh. don't know if I ever posted it. But I. No, I would know. I would. I would remember. Yeah, I like went and saw it in the theater. Yeah. And then I saw Variety. Maybe uh-huh. it's part of the same, like, collection because that's another yeah. New York film about. Uh-huh a young woman working at a Times Square, like, peep show. Mm -hmm. And they feel very companion-y in my brain, but it's also probably because I saw them and maybe someone curated them as part of similar programming. Though I think that Variety was part of the the Future of Film is Female Festival. Uh Um, And maybe Smithereens was separate. I couldn't be sure. But they both are that New York low budget real um female protagonist yeah feeling um so they're tied in my head except for that smithereens has this you know the you know sort of dying punk movement and it seems except for it's about to just like spawn a bunch of other things all of which will be called new wave um right feeling and i find that the films that sort of take shots at 
how music scenes are sort of spawn these uh, ego maniacal sort of masculine. I mean, she's a fucking pretty self-centered little lady in Smithereens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like this feeling that like it's supposed to be a place for uh, people that don't belong somewhere else. But then the barrier to entry is always like, well, you got to prove it. You got to prove you're like whatever it's like don't i just like wa- by wanting to be here shouldn't i somehow like deserve to be here yeah just by showing up right because it's just like okay what do i get from like being like a certified punk like nothing it doesn't come with any kind of uh right anything but acceptance and like what is this deal but it's like that was my experience of music scenes that I was part of was that always, especially as a woman, you always had to have proof of your worthiness. And so anything that kind of pokes at that, and that's why I found like the Jubilee backstory where Vivian Westwood was like, "Uh uh-uh, not punk. When like now it's like, you look at Derek Jarman and his like interesting artistic output. It's like, who's more punk? Yeah. You know, like he made that film blue, which I, listen to uh john waters is obviously a fan like as if we couldn't yeah. guess um talk about it in an interview and like the way he was like praising derek jarman yeah. it's like he was doing really interesting shit and well adam ant was kind of bemoaned the film when it first came out but now you know, has gone on to say that Derek Jarman was a gay uh, terrorist filmmaker. Hell yeah. You know, so like, that's like ultimately punk right there. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's like punk so often at this time, but like probably through all of time, and I think maybe less so now. It's like, if you didn't have the trappings, then it was like somehow, like there was so much proof involved, except for if you could just like somehow fall exactly into this mold. And it's like, isn't that what we were rebelling against in the first place? Yeah. The mold also changes. It shifts, especially with new young generations. They well, all have different moment, ideals and they have different things that they don't want to exist anymore. Right. Well, something can so easily become like passe and then it's like just an emblem of your like outdatedness yeah. and you're like sort of yeah being part of the trend or whatever. Right. Well, it's like norm core, you know, where it's yeah. just like. Well, I don't want to dress wacky. Uh, my version of dressing wacky is now to dress really fucking normal. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting idea. And then so many people latched onto that as like a trend too. It's all like very, yeah. what does it all mean? None of it means anything. All right. It's just all costume. Self-expression. Yeah. Oh, there but is. But also, you know, yeah. maybe not a little. Well, I mean, what's, I think. What's like really, that... what is individualism really, you know? Right. And I think that that thing about like Jordan, I do think it's like 
it says something if you're willing to go out in the world and, you know. Well, as a woman, you know, she's got one ball of wax to deal with as far as harassment goes. And she's putting herself in a position to accept more. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's like that. I do like respect that. Yeah, you know, for sure. That it's like you're like stepping yeah. way outside the lines and kind of proving that I the lines it. don't mean anything. There's a line yeah. in Open Sky that this makes me think of where, um, you know, our main character is all dressed. She's like getting ready to like, she's a model. So she's like taking photos or like dressing up to go out to the club. It's like not totally certain what's going to happen next. Um, right. And she's wearing, she has face paint on, you know, she has like, this short hairdo that's sort of like spiked up a bit and like this wacky like little mini skirt all this shit and one of her old professors is there and they obviously had a sexual relationship when she was his student which is barf um and (laughs) he's like accusing her of dressing in costume and he like calls her a freak show and she says are you trying to say your blue jeans aren't theater yeah and it's like of course they are because you're a professor and like maybe you would wear a suit in -hmm. like another time but your blue jeans are like showing that you're like not that kind of professor like we're all dressing up like right rupaul wasn't just talking when he said that you know you're born naked and the rest is drag it's like and to sort of point that out by dressing in a way that is not of the norm like I, right. I see that as important and as punk and you know pushing yeah. things in a way that they need to be pushed. I love seeing a little freak show come into the store. Hell yeah! You know, like young kid, just it's just like yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. I follow them around just because I sure. want to like you know I want to like eavesdrop on like their conversations if they're like with a friend. And then I just want to, like, you know, admire their uh, look. Yeah. I wonder what it's like now because it just seems like there's... I'm sure still in certain places, it depends on where you are. But, like, if you were a kid growing up in New York City, like, you could wear anything. No one's going to, like, look at you twice. Right. But even, like, once I, like, was in middle school and was wearing my little plaid tights and dyeing my hair purple and wearing like Doc Martens. The shit people would say to me. Yeah. You know? Like without even like any kind of, of um curiosity or like a chance that I hadn't lost my goddamn mind was right. wild. Like I worked at a retirement <laughs> home a little bit. And uh, had, like, a pierced lip and, like, a pierced nose and pink hair. Yeah. And uh, I remember, like, one of these older gals that lived there was, like, you'd be pretty if you didn't, like, have all this going on. And it's just, like, the ways that people, like, (laughs) to, like, a fucking 15-year-old girl. Like, why are you so concerned? And I do think it's, like, important for that, like. Right. What are we really worried about? This is all just like a distraction from like what's really wrong with the world. And it's not punks dressing away. No, it's not people's clothes. No. 
And so it's like that's what all of these things, yeah. all of these movies kind of have in all common right. is like the, you know, the drive to be different and like all the right. things that come with that. Yeah. And I think True Stories is. I think it's a little bit it it's a very positive film. It's a a real it's a real feel gooder. Yeah, it looks cute. Um, Even the color palette feels feel good. Yeah. And I think it's really about acceptance, accepting your weirdness, accepting yeah. your eccentricities. I love that. I would I would say. Yeah. Um I'm going to watch it this week. Now that yeah, I'm watch listening it. to Roger yeah. Ebert and Siskel yeah. fucking berate each other, my God. <laughs> so I like watched so, that all so the time brutal. when I was a kid. I need On a break. Sundays. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like when you watch like these compilations and just hear them like go at each other, I'm like, Jesus. Like can you know, imagine if it. you and I were like on here being I, like I know. No, it was a great film. It's like yeah. relax. Uh, I know. Meryl Streep was wrong for the role. <laughs> just like Jesus. I get feeling Said strongly. no one ever. Right. <laughs> I just feel like the com- competitiveness it's like i don't have it in me to be competitive anymore i'm like either the right guy for the thing or i'm the wrong guy for the thing oh yeah you like me or you don't like me like yeah i have no i do not have time to be in competition with you i'm just tired man it's like the way i'm going to beat you is by not giving a shit about you right and you mean me and the Ebert I mean you sort of specifically. <laughs> I'm gonna beat no. you. I'm gonna be the best co-host on this podcast. Uh, like what the fuck, guys? Get out of here. They're getting paid the same, right? It's like, come on, who cares? Yeah. I do like them both. Uh, we are. Way. We're definitely both getting paid the same. Oh yeah, we are. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it real easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what else have you, have you watched? About the new wave. Oh. About the new wave. Okay, I'm ready to transition. Uh, well, I did watch a movie. I thought a lot about um, other movies that are not particularly new wave, but that did use new wave music because of its popularity at the time, and a lot of John Hughes movies, of course. Mm, yep. Um, which have great soundtracks and you know John Hughes really did sort of like invent an I- a new idea of what uh, movie soundtracks were mm, yeah and turned them into commodities with you know soundtrack records you know selling them as physical things that like are outside of the the film experience like you get to own the music that was in this movie and he was very specific about the music that he used and related it to the story so lots of great new wave sound uh songs and artists on john hughes soundtracks um i watched a movie that i loved also from 1986 same as true stories called parting glances oh 
which is an early role for Steve Buscemi. Okay. I would say he plays supporting role. Uh, directed by Bill Sherwood. And it is about a gay couple in New York who are sort of dealing with the fact that one of them is leaving for six months uh, to Africa. Um, the main character's best friend is played by Steve Buscemi, who is dying of AIDS. Um, and it just sort of revolves around this triad of men and a bunch of other people too. There's some things that are a little like weird for me. Like there is like a kind of moment where Steve Buscemi and this lead character are, you know, the lead character is reminiscing about this time that they had where they're pretending to be Indians Um, and they are mocking and sort of like fake tying up the most effeminate and flamboyant character in the movie, which sort of speaks to me about how gay men sort of like really kind of shove down feminine acting men or feminine presenting men um it's just it's not in vogue to be femme in the gay community masculinity rules all oh, sure. uh so those were a couple of things that i was a little put off by but generally speaking i was like ah this is a movie that is i can relate to a little bit more as far as like what a movie about gay people can be um it didn't put anybody really too far into a box so and it was you know 1986 new york city is like more new york city new york city is so central in so many movies it's crazy but um i really really enjoyed parting glances i'm gonna put that on my list too yeah it's one of those ones that I bought at work and was like, no idea what this is. Uh, Going to give it a whirl. And now I'm very glad that I own it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Worked out. Cool. What about you? Anything outside of Siskel and Ebert? <laughs> so much Siskel and Ebert. Uh, yeah. So I have started watching Minx which is a HBO show about the forming of a magazine in the, it's, it's like the early seventies, maybe 72 um, about, yeah, I guess it's like early seventies. It's like this young feminist starts like an erotic magazine for women sort of by accident because like uh-huh. the public, the only publisher that's interested in it, like, publishes porn so he's like well we could take your magazine and like do this thing so i've been watching that and enjoying it i've been like catching up on the zeitgeist so i watched that i watched that um all period pieces and then i watched winning time the rise of the lakers dynasty which i Uh, also think is cool but scripted 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 these are both scripted shows 
And then I dipped into some comedy, um, including Kat Cohen's uh, comedy special, which is like a lot of singing. Uh Like she's like doing a bit of like cabaret style singing, which I just think is like really refreshing to like use that form. And so Uh like worth a watch. I also listen to her podcast. So I'm sort of like I was already in. I'm like sort of like I got to see what this is about. It's yeah. not like everything to me, but I think it's really interesting like to take this direction of like infusing comedy with song and like yeah. sort of a character that she's creating that like runs throughout that you're like, what's real? What's not real? Super cool. Um, and then I fucking rocked my own world by turning on <laughs> the Gerard Carmichael special, uh-huh. which... I was a big fan of the first two specials. The first one's directed by Spike Lee at the comedy store in LA. Like, uh-huh. really good. The second one's directed by Bo, Bo Burnham. Really good. This one? Like, I'm not going to say, I'm going to reserve the right to do like a mini-sode on it once you've watched. Because I okay. really want to see All right. your take on it. Because uh-huh. I think you'll have a lot of feelings about it. Okay. Um, it is one of the most vulnerable things I've seen ever. And okay. also what's really interesting about it is he's pointing out how vulnerable it is by being like, I wish this wasn't so weird. And like yeah. pointing out like his discomfort, which I feel like uh-huh. it's important to not pretend like being vulnerable is easy or natural to some people like yeah he's like explaining why it's not natural to him and how he sort of has papered over things with like politeness and a laugh and smile when it's not Uh and he's like keeping the secret for his whole life and it's just like i laughed but not like you laugh at a comedy special not like i laughed at his last two comedy specials like he's funny and he is so like just enjoyable to watch just like his physicality he like sits down during the whole thing but like the way Bo Burnham shoots him like in close up like is beautifully directed uh-huh. um, in that way where you almost like wouldn't even notice except for I just like had read it's Bo Burnham and I think he's doing interesting stuff so that I'm sort of like watching the camera move and what it's showing and it totally adds to like the sentiment of the thing and the realness of the thing. And like, I definitely cried during it and I am a crier, but when it was over, I was weeping for like, like, this is not like me. I was weeping for like a while. Yeah. And I can't stop thinking about it because I just think that like the closer we get to talking about what it really is like to be human like this is what i love about film like directors are interested in this they're interested in what it really feels like to be a human because how we act in society how we're expected to act at our jobs and at the grocery store and even like in our friendships definitely in our relationships is so false like the structures of it are so often so divorced from what it's actually like to be a human that it's kind of unnerving you're like am i a freak like and so just seeing someone really say yeah the thing and say how it feels to say 
what's true to them. Yeah. And the audience is like say like reflecting back and saying things. And I don't know if they were like told that it seems likely that they were told that they could participate in that way. And I think uh-huh. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like I'm never going to be the same again, having uh, seen it. <laughs> I will have to watch it for sure. So you have to watch it. And that's all I'll say on it, which is a lot. I know I said a lot, but. Well, I, I mean. It fucked me up. Yeah. <laughs> I rewatched Zola. Oh, cool. And uh, that was interesting. Just speaking of like um, how we're supposed to behave in public or who we're supposed to be even. Yeah. You know, it's just such a great depiction of people you've never met, but people that 100% exist. Totally. And like just how, um, like being a sex worker without like, that character is not one dimensional at all. She's a real person. She literally is a real person that you can go follow on the internet perfect yeah. content amazing totally. social presence um yeah but like yeah the and brought to life by a filmmaker totally a very you know? authentic filmmaker yeah and it's just ugh, like brought to life even further more insight totally you know choices like it's like artistic but then it also is yeah. It's entertaining, but it also does get closer to showing what it's like to be yeah. a human being, you know? Yeah. And it can still be fun. I had fun and watching scary. Gerard. Yeah, and scary. The world's a <laughs> fucked up place. Like, that's true, too. Yeah, that's true, too. Shit is not easy. It's not fucking. Yeah. We're not over here hey, being you... the fucking cleavers yeah. or whatever. Like, that's not real. That's not real. So, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. And then it's like. Yeah. And then, of course, I did my Mondo Monday. Oh, hell yeah. Which was Son of Blob, a.k.a. Beware the Blob, directed by Larry Hagman, who, you know, was the owner of Genie, the master of Genie on I Dream of Genie, and then later was J.R., on oh Dallas. yes! Wait, and he directed it, is, it. He directed it. What? That's wild. only movie that he ever directed. What a choice! Wild ass happen? movie. Oh my god! Uh, the program director of the Loft Cinema, Jeff So and So. I don't remember he does a his good last job. name. Great job presenting Mondo Monday films. Yeah, I like um, his spiels. He really gives a new level of intellect and respect to these terrible, terrible movies, (laughs) which I never, ever really think are that terrible. I think I've said that before, but I never really ever think that they're super terrible. That's right. I did talk about the thing with two heads. Hmm. Well, Beware beware the Blob, a.k.a. Son of Blob, was an assault on all of my senses. I had to... Plug my ears. It was so loud. There was so much screaming. And visually, it was kind of a nightmare. It is almost like you could use this movie uh, on prisoners of war to try to get them to talk. Just put them in front of this movie. Put it on full blast. 
and you're going to get an answer. Oh, my God. I would be tripping. I am so sensitive to sound. I would be, like, apparently, Apparently, there was a script, and Larry Hagman threw the script away, continued smoking dope, let everybody else smoke dope, and said, Improv. Well, you know, make good use of somebody. If you, you better have a good time. Oh, they look like they had a good time. Hell yeah. I had I had an okay time. I, <laughs> I, I don't hate it. Uh, and I definitely recommend it because it certainly was an experience. But I will say, beware. Yeah. <laughs> the blob. <laughs> cool. Well, you're Caroline. You're Paul. You're at you're at womanhood. You're at you don't want to go in there. I sure am. And we're release pod. Release yeah. underscore pod on Instagram. Uh release dot pictures on the internet. And we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Smell you later. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.